today's read a moment of silence midnight three by sister soldier chapter 27 doing time three months in the box three months in population three months back in the box is that your plan thought you were a little smarter than that the she officer said but I could hear the excitement in her tone. She was glad I was back under her control and on her tier. Relax, I told her. I took care of the three things that you care most about. Three things, she asked. I earned my GED. That test was easy. I took it before I had even completed their test preparation course. The SAT exam took more concentration, but the challenge was good. In between the chaos, I had nothing better to do than study, I said. What was your score? The perfect SAT score is 1600. I know that. My son studied for that test as well. I just sat for it before I ended up in here. Didn't get the scores back yet. I see. And what is the third thing that you took care of that I care most about? She asked with a little wiggle in her tone. Myself, I said, opening my arms and striking a stand so she could see I studied, but I also kept up my workout, and my warrior body was the evidence. And in a dark, dirty, dreary place, in the middle of the night, she laughed. Then she became unusually quiet. You did good with your studies, but I heard you fell in with them. Murder boys, that's not so bright of a move. When I left the box the first time, I was already branded a murder boy. You knew my charges. All the more reason to stay away from them and distinguish yourself. You think Rikers is the same as the boarding school where your son studies? I asked her. I'm a prisoner in a jail, shoulder to shoulder with every other person locked and hemmed in the same space. I don't know why your boys have to fight each other. You're the same as the male inmates in the adult lockup areas. They should have beat those racist white boys' asses from Howard Beach who murdered that black boy from Bedford-Stuyvesant. If y'all was doing something like that, even my colleagues would have stepped out of your way. Every decent person in New York is heated over that shit. Meanwhile, our higher-ups are hammering the CEOs to protect them white boy inmates, the murderers, from getting mobbed and hurt. Since y'all inmates are fighting each other every day anyway, y'all should have taken care of that. Then she gave me the grimy details of the Michael Griffith Howard Beach case and how an angry white gang of neighbors attacked Griffith and his three companions after their car broke down and they entered a white neighborhood looking for help. The white gang, who outnumbered the four black men, beat and then chased 23-year-old Griffith onto the highway, where he was killed by a vehicle being driven by a white police officer's son. He got killed by white thugs who terrorized him and then ran him down and left him like roadkill, the she officer said. I could tell that she thought her colleagues, the other corrections officers at Rikers, had some sense of honor and allegiance. 
She believed that the COs would somehow link hands with the inmates and stand down while we thrashed the racist white boys for a racial attack and an unjust murder. Obviously, that was not and is not the case. There is no honor among COs, same as there is no honor among thieves. And if the COs link hands with some inmates, it would only be to bring drugs and other contraband which they are supposed to keep out in. And if they ever stand down, it's to watch and allow and encourage a strategic hit being carried out against an inmate by another inmate who is part of their dirty CO import-export drug ring. Like the hit that Slaughter tried, (laughs) but failed to carry out against me. I peeped over time how the COs like to maintain their house. Keep the inmates fighting each other instead of them. Keep the inmates medicated so they didn't have the energy to resist. Choose a small group of inmates to be house leaders and give them the space to crush and correct all the other inmates while they keep the crime circulating on the inside to supplement their income. The COs wanted desperately to chill like the hustlers they supposedly hated but secretly loved and admired and wanted to be like. They wanted to chill the way those hustlers chilled before their arrest. They wanted to get the same response from the women that the hustlers got instead of being bossed by the angry bitches who they had fucked and fucked over and now owed a heap of child support. The seals were failures at business, failures as fathers, failures at family. The seals were desperate men. Jail orientation had been over for me. Now I saw the setup clearly in great detail. However, I was not about to debate the topic with a woman. No matter how filthy a hole or a predicament is, a woman is still naive in her mind, understanding of the schemes of men. No matter how low men might go, women can never fall as low as men or be as filthy as the filthiest man because women are the wombs that carry, then push life into existence. That is the amazing difference that Allah originated between male and female, while at the same time creating man and woman from the same one soul. internal jail hearing before I got convicted of another tier 3 violation and boxed for another 3 months I sat in complete silence I'm not an actor I already knew that the men in the room who had authority already knew what they planned as my outcome me stating my defense would have been nothing but theater I already knew that even the one female authority in the room would agree with whatever the male authorities guided her to agree with. I had already discovered by then that one CO in our dorm was Slaughter's uncle on the low. The inmate nephew was dirty. The uncle CO was dirty. I do my research. Same as I studied faces, scars, 
jewels, and relations on my Brooklyn block when I first arrived in America. And the same as I matched the faces I studied with the apartments they lived in and cars they drove, the children they had, and the habits and deeds they did, I did the same study in here at Rikers. I concluded all of these inmates had brothers and cousins, uncles and fathers, and in some cases even grandfathers and mothers who were either inmates themselves or working as COs or administrative employees. It was against the jail rules for the COs to be working with inmates who were their friends and relatives. It was even a violation for the COs to be friendly, familiar, and casual with any inmate. But which man or woman from any of our hoods who had earned the well-sweated position of being a corrections officer was going to forfeit their position, paycheck, or benefits by admitting they was born gang and crime related? Ironically, one of those SAT vocabulary words, I was accused and convicted in the internal jail hearing of conspiring to create, organize, and run a gang that was disruptive to the day-to-day lawful standard and routine in the jail. Somehow, by making prayers and causing other inmates to gather and make prayers, by forming study groups and helping other inmates to study, by reading and teaching other inmates how to read and understand at least the letters they were receiving, and by working out in teams and organizing sports events that involved gangs, I had committed several code violations. The violation was not the praying itself, or the reading, or the teaching, or the working out, or basketball, or soccer games. The crime was the organizing of males. Since I had been organizing, I must have been conspiring. According to them, I had triggered a dangerous day of silence, (laughs) which had never happened at Rikers before. Now, silence was a crime. Groups of silent men were a threat, a terror, a resistance. The truth is, I had not organized men to be silent. Silence comes to men who, after learning what they did not already know or understand, become thoughtful. Thoughtfulness leads to consideration. Consideration leads to feelings. Feelings lead to brotherhood. Brotherhood leads to unity. Unity leads to defense against perceived and actual threats and injustices. I never once asked the male youth inmates to protect me. They chose to put their bodies in front of Slaughter once the rumor was out that he would take my life. They chose to move to protect me, I believe, because I had treated each youth, not by race or language or the place of birth or territory they came from or claimed. In the same way, I came to respect any male in my life who actually taught me something unique and useful that helped me to survive, build, and thrive. Some of the inmates had come to respect me. My father had taught me when I was young enough to hear and consider that language should never separate one good person from another. He said, 
that any man could learn another man's language if he could shut up long enough to listen and sit still long enough to study. All I had done was obey the words and lessons of my father, remain mostly silent and watchful, and learn the language of men, even the ones who were speaking the same language differently. During my hearing, as I sat silently, I was reminded of the words of yes, yes, y'all. He once said to all of the M3s in the cipher, word up, by listening to what teacher Kareem Ali be teaching in class or praying like black, we gonna get in more heat and have more trouble than we already got for drugs, money, and murder. Yes, yes, y'all was sharp, but he usually hid his intelligence inside his jokes. In the end, he was right. Without me selling or buying any drugs or contraband, without me even having any money on my commissary or purchasing anything at all, without me making or having any weapons other than my hands and feet or using any violence or waging any wars, I was pegged as a gang leader who had organized a prayer and study group that influenced and caused a deadly silence that incited a riot. Three years. It's a Shonda, but it's the best I could do, my green-eyed lawyer said. A Shonda, I repeated. Yes, a shame, she said. I smiled. I don't know what kind of math you're doing, but when we first met, you were talking 25 years to life and even pointed out a case where someone my same age was convicted and sentenced to execution. Every time I see you, the number of years I might serve decreases. Now here you are with a deal signed and sealed saying three years. I'm almost done serving one. You did a good job, I told her. Three years would be great and probably even impossible if they had one shred of evidence against you. The fact is, they do not. And they have had ample time to gather it if it existed. And if they were capable, she said. Don't worry about it. It's spring all over again. You got a date? A fiancé? A husband? I asked her. I probably would have all three if I was not working for you, she said, and laughed. You've had ample time to organize that, I said, flipping her words back. She smiled. Do you know what I think is really gracious about you, Jordan? She suddenly asked me. I didn't answer. I felt choked by that fake name. After almost a full year of being locked up, Gracious is not how I would describe myself. In fact, the most gracious is one way that all Muslims describe Allah. What I am, honestly, is striving and surviving. You have lost your grandfather. You have lost your freedom. You are convicted and about to lose three more years of your life. One at Rikers, although they could lawfully hold you here for up to two years. Then one or two years at God only knows which prison 
where God only knows which schmucks will be in charge. But you are still smiling, she said warmly to me. With good behavior, I could knock off a year and only serve two years in full, I reminded her. You've been in the box twice on two tier three violations. I don't want to piss on your optimism, but it's safe to say that you are a guy who can kiss your good behavior relief goodbye, she said, and her words silenced me. And if you don't stop praying and saving your peers' lives, and if you don't stop reading and forming study groups, oy vey, before they ship you out of here to another prison, who knows? You could end up back in the box again. She threw her hands up in frustration. That's funny, right? I asked her with a straight face. Oh yeah, it's hilarious. If you would have called me about your second jailhouse hearing and those bogus charges, I would have had the ACLU all over their asses for violation of freedom of religion, freedom of speech. I mean, these are basic freedoms. All Americans know that, she said. How is your sister, I asked. I and Aronson, my peculiar, passionate, and precious lawyer about her deceased twin. She seems to be happier in her world than I am in mine. Transferred from the box after 90 days to C-74, I was now wearing the green jail jumper reserved for convicts. Body more solid than steel. Side by side with other men who were also solid bodied regardless of their state of mind. A convict. I'm no longer an accused youth offender. I'm with the adult population, not the cubs, the kids, the youth, the adolescents anymore. I'm in the adult facility at Rikers. I sleep in a cell, not bed to bed in a wide open dorm. There's no blood or friendship between my young, convicted as an adult self and these men. But still, I am recognized as family. I'm a Muslim, moving in a space populated with many men who say they're Muslims. Upon arrival, I was approached by a big man who recognized my alamat salah, a prayer mark that appears on the forehead of Muslim men from the continual pressing of the forehead to the ground during prayer. By him acknowledging my mark, which 99% of others overlooked, he alleviated the tension that comes when any man approaches another man while incarcerated. I, of course, saw his mark as well, which caused me to consider that he might actually be a Muslim. I had met enough men claiming Islam who were without prayer. He ended up being a leader in the Muslim population on lockup. They claimed me, although I didn't ask to be claimed or protected or grouped up or ganged up. Meanwhile, I'm the quote-unquote supreme soldier so dubbed by Redvers and held down by his men, the Jamaicans, who run enough shit in here 
and got their own food ring going. They cared more about having fresh fruits and vegetables and Itao foods than anyone else. They were heavy into commissary. Their women, outside of whatever else they might be bringing in and out on visits, kept them well fed. All clicked up. The Jamaicans treated me good, like an ambassador, because Redverse gave the order. One of them gave me enough fruits and vegetables to fit in a basket. It was a gift, same as gold to them. I had to accept it because I had rejected the weed they offered me and to avoid causing insult. It wasn't until I reached the C-74 adult building that I figured Redverse out. That's how many hours of rewinding, reviewing, and thinking I had to commit to the puzzle of the drug network I landed in. My hypothesis was that Redverse was linked with the dirty cops in the precinct in his area. They protected his spot and didn't arrest his soldiers or harass their posse. In exchange, they got a huge cut of the paper, but the paper was only guaranteed if the cops facilitated the drug deliveries coming and going. When I entered the spot, unrelated and unknowingly, and once I exited the spot with the red bag, there was a confusion created. Redverse worked the confusion as though the cops failed to protect the product. No product, no paper for them till the next time. That's why they were furiously trying to link me to the package and locate the package so that they could collect. Redverse double-crossed the cops. He held on to the product, sold it, doubled his take and pinned the robbery on me and the blame on the dirty cops who never got paid on that particular take. He dubbed me the Supreme Soldier for three reasons. One, I could have killed his brother and his men. I didn't. Two, I could have identified his men, snitched, and recounted my encounter to the detectives. I didn't. But the most important reason was, I could have fucked his girl in his building or welcomed her in on a visit and done anything to her. (laughs) I didn't. What I had not considered back then, and even after my arrest, was that Redverse had a surveillance tape, a television recording everything. Maybe the Red Flamingo didn't realize it and thought it was just for her use to watch who came in and out of the laundry area and what they were doing while she wasn't in there. But I concluded that he was surveilling everything. He had her on tape and he had me on tape and could identify me. That's how they knew who I was. The Jamaicans, many of whom find Islam too strict and confining, owe a debt to the quality of men Islam produces. We know, among other things, that brotherhood is destroyed the second a man puts his hands on another man's woman. I'm the poor, righteous teacher protected by the 5% because Quan says so and because Daquan is also locked up in C-74 where I am. 
Daquan was the same as he ever was on our Brooklyn block with an added seriousness. He was solid from working out continuously. He had an army going at Rikers. It wasn't only about contraband for him. Some of his soldiers ran a newsletter that kept inmates informed about where men were being moved and what was happening at prisons all around the country as reported by inmates who had been convicted and moved out of Rikers. Daquan was like the king of communications, including if anyone needed to get a kite, a letter or message to anyone using the network that he built. His man Butch, aka Broadcast, was an old timer whose first arrest had occurred in 1966. He was like a human computer. I peeped why Daquan recruited him, even though he was unlike anyone in the rest of his crew. During the workout, where men were trying to relieve their stress, Broadcast would give random reports, just speaking aloud, casually, but in a loud volume with the authority of a news anchor. better get ready. This is jail. Prison is something else. You think you don't like the CEOs up here at Rikers? You better get to loving them while the getting is good. At least they look like us and know where we come from because they come from the same place. Once they ship you out of Rikers, you gonna encounter some big ugly, hateful white boys. They gonna be everywhere. Their arms as big as your legs. They the Ku Klux Klan. They hate the black man. And you gonna feel that hatred instantly. So thick you can choke on it. They don't only hate the blacks. They hate anybody with a drop of melanin any kind of color in them. They shave your head with hatred. They'll grab your balls, shove their fingers in your mouth, choking you with hatred. Say they looking for something they ain't really looking for. They nasty. You gonna find out. They'll spread your cheeks and drill in your asshole cause they can and cause they want to and cause they hateful and jealous of you. How many prisons you think they got? Almost 2,000 prisons in America, not including the federal ones, and more than a million prisoners. Oh, they got something for all of us. They got jails like this right here. Then they got transitional prisons. Then they got minimum security prisons. Low minimum, high minimum, medium, Secure medium, high medium, maximum, yeah. Now they even got private prisons run by some corporations for profit or a group of greedy businessmen. One of them private prisons, the CEOs even got guns. They lawless. They can do anything to you. They got prison farms. Work you harder than a farm animal. 
they got medical prisons and psychiatric prisons that feed you dope. They'll dope you up all night and all day. You better watch out. Even if you don't, it don't matter. They gonna do what they do regardless. Some states is worse than others. Watch out. Don't go to Texas. Soon as you cross the state line, if you black or Latino, you under arrest. They got 116 prisons in that one state, not including the feds. Same as Florida. They got 125 prisons. Then Georgia and North Carolina and good old New York. Those the top runners for locking us down brutally. Man, it's gonna be cold up north to the extreme. So cold you can't talk. And even if you could, you wouldn't. You got brain freeze. Even your thoughts are frozen. It's gonna be hot down south to the extreme. They'll have you burning in Louisiana. You wake up wet, get confused, think you already showered, but you stink. They'll bury you in their underground prison, have you thinking there was never a sun, make you question whether or not you exist, make you rather be dead. And when he spoke like that, every man working out was grunting and lifting more than they ever thought they could. Broadcast got the respect because he was old and knowledgeable about the details of the world of prison, but his impromptu broadcast tripled the anger because most knew it was the truth. I also got respect from the Spanish-speaking inmates from all over. I was the deep, dark, black-skinned cat who knows a few key words and phrases in Spanish, enough to give the greetings and show respect and receive it back. When I'm around the Spanish-speaking inmates, I don't get tight when they speak their own language or envious like the African-Americans do. I'm at ease. Upon my arrival at the adult facility, the first one to lock glares with me was Tyreek. I recognized him immediately. He was only three seconds behind before he pinpointed and acknowledged who I am. Hustlers League, Junior Division, I recruited you to play ball. Brownsville, Brooklyn youth, he said. What's a big man doing in a small place? I acknowledged. I was about to ask you the same thing, he said, but my people's about to bail me out. Anything you need, I can get it sent in for you. So a quick, I'll be out of this small space by the morning. I'm good, I told him. He stared at me in my greens. He wasn't a convict, just an accused, still wearing his street clothes, looking fresh and fashionable. You good? Looks like they're about to send you up north, he said. And it wasn't a question. Man, he continued, that tournament last summer was crazy. The junior division snatched the light and the hype from the adult league that year. <laughs> Your skills were undeniable and impeccable. 
caused a lot of argument among the judges. I thought you should have been the MVP. Two weeks after Tyreek was bailed out, I received a visitor. Tiffany Kelly, C.O. Williams, an elder officer who never referred to the inmates as ladies, said to me, I realized then that I had not put in paperwork saying that I refuse all visits since I was moved to C-74. It didn't matter. I had not put in paperwork detailing my list of approved visitors either. No visit, I told him. He left. Before his shift ended, he said to me, Your visitor has a school identification that says she was 18. Now, I done been around the block. I wouldn't usually comment, but since you refused her anyway, I guess it's all right. He leaned into the bars that separated us. Those big titties she had sat straight up. She's not a day older than 15. We catch a lot of young girls coming up here with fake IDs trying to visit grown men who ain't their daddies, if you know what I mean. Bangs, a.k.a. Tiffany. I'm not even sure if her last name is Kelly, but I am sure that it was her grandmother's last name. She had that kind of effect on every male of every age. She was all beautiful body. In the spring and summer, she wore pants that fit like panties, had a mean camel toe, a tight waist, and 32 Ds that were filled with breast milk that she fed to her infant daughter. She was a runner with pretty thighs. Her legs were always naked when she wasn't in her kicks or roller skates. She slid her pretty feet into tiny sandals that showcased her pretty toes. She was not suitable for me, yet she loved me. Because of my faith, I didn't go in her, but the beast in me always wanted to. Her visit, even though I denied her, caused my mm to swell in a joint where I never wanted to be hard and swollen. Furthermore, her visit propelled me into a memory.